in our series in the book of Deuteronomy uh, this week. Uh, the sermon title, if you were uh, taking notes, would be Be Strong and Courageous. Be Strong and Courageous. Our text is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8. It's an amazing portion of Scripture, and it will get repeated in subsequent books, and you'll hear these words over and again, be strong and courageous. In a book called American Caesar, William Manchester tells of a time during World War I when uh, Brigadier General Douglas MacArthur and Major George Patton were standing together in the heat of a battle at St. Mihail in France. They were under fire, but neither of these men took cover. Standing in the field, neither one of them flinching. They're trying to match each other's bravado. Standing in the line of fire, all their men around them are down, and neither one of them will flinch. They're just staring at each other. Who's going to move first? Finally, a bullet came so close to Patton that he flinched. MacArthur said with a grin on his face, don't worry, Major, you never hear the one that gets you. We often think of military heroes when we think of strength and courage and really probably for obvious reasons, and maybe not so much today as when I was young, we used to play Army. If you're here and you played Army when you were a kid, I mean, that was the thing. And it was, that was, we were, we were trying to emulate what tough and brave and courageous was. Story that comes out of the winter of 1776, probably one of the gloomiest hours for the American Revolution cause. Patriot forces seemed unable to win a battle. George Washington's army had been routed out of New York, had driven across New Jersey, and lay shivering on the Pennsylvania side of the Delaware River. More and more men were deserting every single day, racked by hunger, cold, disease, those who remained simply waiting for their date so that they, their enlistments would expire and they could simply just go home. Washington himself confided in a letter to a relative and said these words, I think the game is pretty near up. Amid the crisis of morale, Thomas Paine implored the colonists not to give up. Not to give up the fight, in a little pamphlet, he wrote this, these words. It was called The Crisis, in this pamphlet. Here's an excerpt from that pamphlet. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. 
What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Let it be told to the future world that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. The heart that doesn't feel now is dead. The blood of his children will curse his cowardice, who shrinks back at a time when a little might save the whole and made them happy. I love the man that can smile in trouble, that can gather strength from distress and grow brave by reflection. Tis the business of little minds to shrink, but he whose heart is firm and whose conscience approves his conduct will pursue his principles unto death. What Thomas Paine was attempting to tap into was a reservoir of power called courage. Courage is a resource that has the potential to reverse the tides of seemingly one-sided conflict. Even for those who must endure harsh conditions over which they have no control and no escape, if they endure those conditions with strength and courage, they are transformed from victims into victors. I suppose I was reminded of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. I'm a cowardly lion, and I suppose there's not a one of us that isn't like him that would be seeking a heart think of where we are in the narrative that we're reading through the book of Deuteronomy and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This is the same land that 40 years earlier their parents decided not to obey the Lord but decided instead God told us to go into the land and possess it but they said maybe we should go check it out first and they sent spies into the land. And the spies came back, and of course, you know there were 12, and 10 of them gave reports that were negative. Joshua and Caleb gave reports that, hey, we can do this. The Lord is with us. We can go get this land. This is ours for the taking. But the 10 said, we are like grasshoppers to them. There are giants in the land. And the people feared and they decided not to go. This is the same land. And now Moses is telling Joshua, it's time to go. I won't be going with you. It's time to go, but I'm not going with you. And you can imagine even the children who heard the stories or saw the stories as youngins, that it was Moses who held his staff above his head in the battles against the Amorites or the Amalekites and when Sihon and Og and all of those things. Moses was the leader and now they're going to cross the Jordan and dispossess 
those that are there. And Moses isn't going with them. I imagine they were a little bit like the cowardly lion wanting some courage. So we read in Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land. He will destroy, he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in, sight, in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Father, in the next few moments as we look into the perfect law of liberty and as we consider this portion of Scripture, Lord, may our hearts be encouraged. May our hearts be encouraged. May we find strength in the promises that are contained in your word. And so God be glorified. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few moments of reflecting on this text. Three aspects about strength and courage that I, as I read through, I want to draw from. Number one, you and I, we have a need for strength and courage. In this instance, there's a changing of the guard, and I'm not sure how the people might have been thinking, but I can see how I would be if I had grown up and been exposed to the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and seen the miracles at the hand and staff of Moses, this amazing leader. I mean, when I think about what it must have been like to be a young person walking through at the parting of the Red Sea. Now, when we talked about this previously, there are portions at the, at the uh, Gulf of Aquaba where there's a natural land bridge about 700 feet deep. And in my mind, if that's where it was, if that's where it was, that means there would be walls of water 700 feet high. That's ginormous. And when you think about the distance that they're walking, if it happened to be there, it's like, you know, some seven miles in length. Well, our natural eye can't see that far, so everything would come into one, and so it would look like they were walking right into a wall of water 700 feet high. 
That's absolutely mind-blowing to me. And these walked through it. And so now that the guy who stretched out his hands and parted the waters when God said, get up, stop complaining, and part the waters. And that's what he does. And now he's saying, I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. And so that idea of changing of the guard. It's like when your mentor is no longer your mentor, but you're on your own. And maybe you don't feel qualified. Maybe you don't feel uh, you have the proper training. Maybe you don't feel you have the proper resources. Maybe you don't feel. And all of a sudden you find yourself, I'm out here and I'm alone. But you're not alone. God is with you, and he is the one that goes before you. I think of Moses' renown, just that whole renown as I mentioned it before, characteristics of this leader, this amazing leader. Books are written today. Seminars are done today on the leadership of Moses, the, one of the greatest leaders to have ever lived. It's interesting, one of the main things that are drawn out about Moses. Literally, the first word that comes up, humility. Humility. Meekness. That is power under control. That's, that's fascinating. Personal characteristics, if you will. Moses was meek. You know, he had reasons for insecurities, right? I mean, he had a speech impediment. We don't know what that was like, but he's like, hey, I can't speak. How about Aaron does the speaking, right? And uh, so he had insecurities. Are you here this morning? Have you faced your own personal insecurities? I mean, I'm sure we all have some levels of insecurities, right? Moses overcame. Probably had some identity issues too, right? I mean, he's a Hebrew, but he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Uh, how many of you know that Moses had an anger problem? Yeah, I know no one gets angry in here, right? That's, I'm, so, I'm so glad because, you know, Pastor Matt, he never gets upset. But I don't know, his dad does every once in a while. <laughs> uh, hey, Moses was a little impatient. A little impatient, right? I know none of you are impatient, right? You don't identify that. Okay. Um, so spiritual qualities of Moses. I love that he was an intimate friend with God. He was faithful and he was obedient. He was prayerful and an intercessor. He stood in the gap because of the deep love of his people. Some of his leadership qualities, he was a priest, he was wise, he was humble, he was a teacher, he was a mentor. He, he planned the future, even his own succession. Joshua is the man. And... Uh, Again, an intercessor with a heart of compassion. This is who he was. We don't have that detail on Joshua. We only know that Joshua was being mentored by him. But so you can imagine such an amazing leader and this change happening um, that it would, it, would, it would be a little bit for them to swallow. So the need for strength and courage. And there were tasks ahead of them. They knew they were crossing over and they were going to be dispossessing 
fortified cities. They knew the fortified cities from the previous group that gone in and done the spying. They knew. And so, just like them, there's not a person in this room who is not in some level of need for strength and courage. And I, I would want us to be reminded today that our strength and our courage comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. Which is the next point. What is the source of strength and courage? I think there's some interesting things mentioned in the text. The first, under the source of strength and courage, I would say the Lord's presence. The Lord's presence. We need the Lord's presence in our lives. We absolutely need to know God is with us. He's with us. The text says in verse 3, the Lord goes before you. I love that. I love to be reminded that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 18, there is a reference to each of the little ones, you and I, his little ones, there are angels on assignment for each of the little ones. And not just angel, it's angels. You and I, we have the angels of the Lord about us. That's encouraging. That's very encouraging. I could reference a number of Old Testament portions of Scripture let alone New Testament portions of Scripture, where angels on assignment came in and did battle on behalf of the children of Israel. We are his children, and he does battle for you and I. The Lord goes before us. The Lord fights our battles. He says that in verse 3. The Lord, your God himself, crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. Not he might, or not that he could, not that he's supposed to. He will. He will. And he will also destroy the works of the evil one for you and I. The scripture says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And he will perform it. He fights our battles. And the Lord's anointed shall lead you. I believe that in the body of Christ, there are those who have the anointing of God upon their lives that help to lead the body of Christ in a very large scale and then in a very small scale. When I think about just how some are discipling others, there is an anointing because God has called us to be disciplers. Every single one of us in this room should be actively engaged in discipling, discipling and being discipled. Someone say amen. Yeah, there's an anointing for discipleship, and so God's anointed leading. And certainly in verse 3, uh, we would read again, uh, he will destroy uh, these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you. Here's the new anointed leader. He's going ahead of you. He's in advance. He is doing this work. Second thought under the source of strength and courage is the Lord's faithfulness. The Lord's faithfulness. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can someone say amen? I mean, that is so encouraging. God does not change. 
uh, he'll do it again. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. He references just how the Lord took care of the Amorites in Sihon the king and Og the king. Remember Og? You know, Og's bed, over 13 and a half feet in length, right? I mean, it's probable that he filled the bed. He's a big dude. The report of where they're going is, there's giants in the land. We are like grasshoppers. Remember Og? How the Lord took care of him for you? He'll do it again. He'll do it again. The same God who's faithful and has been faithful in all the testimonies of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's the same God we serve. He's faithful. He fights our battles. He routs the enemy. Strongholds are torn down. We win. The Lord will give them over to you, is what the scripture says. Third thought, just under the source of strength and courage, is the Lord's word. The Lord's word. Or the Lord's words. Right? The promises of God. Right? The blessings of God. Moses, inspired by the Spirit of God, penned out the first five books, the Pentateuch of the Old Testament. Well, that's going with them. They have the testimonies of the Lord, what God has already done. They have the Word of God. Jesus, when he walked on earth, he quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book of the Old Testament. Law, history, prophets, Psalms, Deuteronomy. And Joshua will have that. He's got the word of the Lord. What about you and I? Not only do we have the Pentateuch, we have the entirety of the Old Testament, and we have the entirety of the New Testament. We've got the word of God, and it will inspire, it will encourage, it will build us up in our most holy faith. We should be consumers of God's word. Can I get an amen? We should be students of God's word, and I'm sure you already are. And I, all I could say to that is your source of strength and courage is going to come from the word of God. He is our source. Hallelujah. The word, the commandments, the judgments, the statutes, the testimonies of the Lord. And I would say the third thing in relationship to strength and courage, we all have the need for it. We know now what the source is without reservation. What's the fruit? What's the fruit of strength and courage? Be strong and of good courage. I think it's interesting as we look at the text, God's promises are realized. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in sight of all of Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land, are you ready? Which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. The fruit of Strength and courage is to see the promises of God fulfilled. We get to see the promises of God being fulfilled in our lives. 
when we pray and we believe and we see God move on our behalf. Colin, it's great to see you. I just want you to know, and I know you know this because we've communicated, but we have been praying for your, the staff down at Camp Cadmore and you and just all that has been happening down at Camp Cadmore. And we know that you probably have hundreds of testimonies. You don't get time up here this morning, but we just know because God answers and promises are being fulfilled. And that's absolutely amazing. And if you were a part and you took one of those cards and you were praying for a staff member, or maybe just in a very general sense, you're, you are a part of the victories. When those, when those kids were transitioning maybe from victims of their own circumstances or where they were being raised, and they're becoming victors in Jesus, our prayers have had an impact. And we get to be a part of that. And that's so exciting. The promises of God being realized. The land which the Lord has sworn, you are going in and you're going to help them possess this and see it come to fruition. So the fruits of strength and courage, yes, promises realized. Also, God's presence is known. God's presence is known. Just like we would love to say every time we enter the house of God, the presence of God is here. The very tangible presence of God is here. We know he says he inhabits the praises of his people. Come on. We worship Jesus. So we know God was here. We know he's here. Jesus said it this way, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. And you, because you're born again, the Spirit of God dwells in you. When you came, you brought with you the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? So in the triunity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, the presence of God is in this place. Now, I recognize, and I've been in this place before. I mean, I've been in the space like, jo uh, like Jacob, right, when Jacob used a a rock as a pillow, and then he had the vision of the ladder and angels ascending and descending. And in the New Testament, we understand who is the ladder. Jesus is the ladder. He said, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And Jacob woke up and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Have you been there? Maybe you're there this morning. I want you to know that God is here. God is here. He is with us. The very same words that were spoken by Moses to Joshua. He is with you. He'll go before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says those same words to you and I. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Man, the fruit fruit of that strength and courage being strong and of good courage is we will see and tangibly know the presence of God the presence of God and I would say the third thing associated with the fruit of strength and courage God's purging is experienced Many of you would be very familiar with John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, or, uh, the vine and the branches, that whole portion. And I am the vine, you are the branches. 
And he, he goes on to say, he says, uh, that every branch in me uh, is pruned. He, he does the pruning. And in one instance, there's a, the term lifted up. The beauty of that pruning is there is a second definition of understanding that he purges us. And a little study of vine dressers, some branches come off of the wires that they're stringing, you know, the, they want the grapes to just hang down so they, they have the branches out on these wires. Well, sometimes a branch will come off the wire and because of the weight, it falls down onto the dirt. And then the rains come and the dirt becomes mud and the mud gets on the leaves and they're not as effective in what they do with their photosynthesis. So the vine dresser comes along and he stoops down and he picks up the branch. Hello, that's you and me. And he sets us on top of another branch so we get to carry one another's burdens, right? And then he takes a rag and he wipes the leaves clean. He purges them from filth and dirt that comes from the world. Are you with me? That's what our vine dresser does. It's fruit of the strength and courage in the Lord. If you look at verse 8, he says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. The purging the removing of fear and dismay that comes from the wrong perspectives that we have because of the things of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things that wants to purify and purge and cleanse. And so, three things about strength and courage. Number one, I'm a candidate. I need some strength and I need some courage. Our source of strength and courage, it's the Lord. Presence, faithfulness, and his words. The byproduct or the fruit of strength and courage. Promises realized, presence known, courages experienced. Are you a candidate for some strength and courage to have these three working in a greater measure for you? I'm going to invite Reuben to come back at this time, and Reuben is going to lead us in that great worship song, I Surrender. And that's what I'm actually asking for all of us to do. To surrender from trying to do things in our own strength and in our own courage. And to turn to the Lord, to look to the Lord and invite him to fill you afresh, to have his spirit fill you fresh and grant strength and courage. Can I get an amen? Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Let me pray, and then Reuben will lead us in this song, and let this song be our cry, our benediction, and our desire for the Lord. Father, we look to you. You are the author 
and finisher of our lives. Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. And we look to you because we need strength and we need courage. Like Joshua and all the children of Israel needed strength to be strong and to be of good courage. And that stems from knowing these things. I'm a candidate and I need to be strong and courageous. To know that, God, you are the source of my strength and courage. I cannot produce it on myself. I need to lean into you. And it means surrendering. It really does mean surrendering. And that the fruit of the strength and courage would be realized that I'd see your promises fulfilled, I'd know your presence in a tangible way, and that I would sense and feel the purging of the things of this world and the filth in my life. And so, God, I stand in front of my brothers and sisters and say, yes, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. We surrender to you and ask that your spirit would come and fill us fresh in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. <laughs>